What did you eat for breakfast? What did I eat for breakfast? I had, I think I just had a cliff bar, a blueberry cliff bar. Welcome to episode 67 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast, sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. Surf's up, listeners. This episode, I speak to Ventana Surfboard Company co-founder, Microsoft employee, photographer, and entrepreneur, David Dennis, about the importance of being an eco-friendly company, philanthropy, and his TEDx talk about creating a life of serving others by capitalizing on your passions. We discuss a range of marketing strategies and partnerships that fuel the business of artisanal surfboards, entrepreneurship as an ideology, and David graciously shares his personal experience with a mental health condition. I have come to the conclusion that in order to keep my content as evergreen as possible, I'm going to have to reduce specific references to current events and focus on general concepts in my preamble. Ironically, this interview, which at inception was a happy accident, has been hugely important in the development of my plans for this podcast. I am refocusing future content to ensure it stays relevant to my original goal of helping musicians improve their mindset towards being better entrepreneurs and to improve their business. Similarly, I feel what I want to talk about prior to each episode will be better off coming from a generalized perspective rather than a reactionary standpoint. With that being said, please keep your eyes open on the events that are playing out. There are events happening that, no surprise, are in direct violation of people's constitutional rights. Not that killing innocent people isn't to begin with, but there seems to have been an uptick in militarized operations against U.S. citizens exercising their constitutional right to protest. I think my main message today is that we need to keep pushing to maintain momentum for change. We represent a massive majority over the specific wealthy elite who are profiteering from people's lives and well-being. Continue to keep voting and elect people you believe in, but be mindful that the voting system is slow and cumbersome and is unlikely to enact the change at the degree or the speed it needs to. We need to show that we have the power of numbers and we are not afraid to stand up and fight oppression. Do your research into how you can make a change for the better whether that is writing letters and signing petitions, protesting, or directly helping your community grow by way of volunteer work, philanthropy, or other work. There are many ways we can get involved in a movement. If this podcast episode teaches you anything, it's that you can be extremely effective in enriching and supporting your community while being an effective leader in the corporate world as one example. Use all of your skills think outside the box, and put them to good use to help others. Be kind, lift others up, and be mindful of what is being fed to you on many different platforms. Remember, the victors write the history books to make themselves look good. 
Let's write our own history book so that we collectively flourish as a global community. Thank you for listening. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm joined today by David Dennis, who is the founder of Ventana Surfboards, and he's also still uh, working for Microsoft. I do. That's very cool. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, you know, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, so yeah, could you give me a little bit about your, uh, you know, obviously we're here to talk about the surfboard company, but a little about how that got started and what you do at Microsoft, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. So Ventana uh, Surfboards and Supplies is a company uh, that I uh, helped co-found about six years ago with my business partner, uh, Martin Stipout. He is our craftsperson. Uh, he makes uh, wooden surfboards and a variety of other wooden products for body surfing and for surfers. Uh, and we, we became partners uh, when I did a photo exhibit to raise money for the Surfrider Foundation Santa Cruz chapter. And he was one of the people I photographed. And I had an idea for an eco-friendly surf company. He was building beautiful surfboards. So we decided to create a company together. And then at Microsoft, I've been here, gosh, almost 20 years. Um, we're in Zoom right now. I wish we were using Microsoft Teams, but that'll be quite fine. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I, I've done a variety of different things for them around the world. But right now, I work remotely in Santa Cruz, California uh, on the Outlook team. So I work on the email, consumer email. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I really like the uh, the way the the company is set up. You know, it's all eco friendly using um, sourced uh, woods. Um, you know, I I've done a little bit of guitar building. I'm trying to get more into it, and I really want to uh, look more into this entropy bioresin. That sounds really cool. Um, but what got you into uh, surfing? Yeah, so I we I was working for Microsoft in Madrid, Spain for a couple of years and moved back to California and knew that we were going to stay planted in California uh, near the beach. So we decided that when I was just about turning 40 that I should learn to surf since I was going to be living in one of the greatest surf places in the world. Hmm. Uh, and so my kids and my wife and I all took lessons. My kids and I really got into it and, and we got so into it that I wound up uh, helping co-found this company because I just found surfing to be uh almost like a religion awesome um yeah so why the uh the emphasis on being uh eco-friendly and i know you do um you give some of your profits to to various charities you know what what's important about that for you i mean for us you have to have a healthy ocean mm. if you want to surf right if sure. you've got oil and you've got pollution and plastic and uh, other contaminants, no one's going to want to go in the water. And so it's sort of incumbent on all of us to do everything we can to keep the ocean healthy if we're in the surf industry. And so we decided to create a company that had an incredibly high bar. We try to be the most environmentally responsible surf company in the world. So we wanted a really high bar for environmental responsibility. And uh, it's just required if we want to have a customer base, because if you don't have an ocean that's healthy, you don't have anybody that's going to be purchasing products to use in the ocean. For sure. So it's for the right thing to do from a business perspective and obviously, you know, from an environmental perspective, too. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, we, we've talked a little bit via email about how you've got you've got some uh, instruments that are part of. Is it part of your product line or it's just part of the sourced materials? Like, how is that working? Yeah, so we almost everything we make is out of trash. Like even this shirt I'm wearing is recycled plastic bottle polyester and, and organic mm. cotton. Um, but all of the wooden products, so our hollow wooden surfboards, our body surfing hand planes, and some of the other products are all made out of salvaged or reclaimed wood. We, it's funny because we're a wooden 
a wood focused company, but we don't actually purchase wood. Mm. Everything we have is donated. And so we've made a variety of different things from the wood. A lot of it actually comes from guitar wood from the Santa Cruz Guitar Company. Actually, the, yep. the piece okay. of art, we work with an artist that made makes stuff from our leftovers. Those waves are made out of leftover pieces of wood from Santa Cruz Guitar Company production. Awesome. And we've also made some instruments. So my partners made a series of banjo from salvaged wood, the same woods we use for our surfboards. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's just been a kind of a fun side thing. But most of what we do is focused on surfboards. Uh, and again, we use a lot of guitar wood. We've got wood from the Hollywood Bowl in L.A., from the old benches. That's cool. Uh, and, uh, and so we've got that music theme that kind of runs through everything we do. For sure. Um, and, and I watched – so I watched your, um, uh, your TEDx talk, which was really good. That's about five years old now. I think is so, that, yeah. 2015 correct? sounds right. Um, and this, this podcast is all about promoting entrepreneurship, and I, I absolutely love the theme of it. The questions you posed were, what are all the things I want to do when I grow up and whom, whom do I want to help? And um, this, you know, th these questions really go back all the way to the beginning of this podcast. Um, you know, could you talk a bit more about that? And, you know, what I guess it really goes down to what is your why? In, yeah. in essence, but. Yeah. So for me, um the, the TEDx was called Don't Quit Your Day Job. And the idea is you can do your day job. It may not, you know, scratch every single itch you have around all the passions that you have in your life. And so figure out what you're passionate about. Go off and do amazing things with those passions that may or may not be part of your day job. And then figure out how you can leverage your skills to help other people as well. Ultimately, that comes back to you in all kinds of interesting ways. You know, the, the whole idea of Ventana came out of uh, a photo exhibit that I did to raise money for a nonprofit because I love photography. And so all those things sort of working together to find meaning in my life didn't necessarily require me to, to quit a lucrative day job. And so trying to do as much as you can uh, that you're passionate about and helping other people is where that came from. Finding meaning in your life through helping others with the skills that, that you have. Absolutely. Um, and, and that speaks volumes to me because I was in, uh, you know, I was in Massachusetts, uh, for 18 years in this one particular job, um, great company just didn't have any, um, motivation to do anything. Cause there was nothing like really stoking me on. And I, when I came to Texas, I started working for a t-shirt company oh, and cool. where we do a lot of stuff for bands. Um, you know, we, and the great thing is I'm, I'm using my technology. Uh, I, I was doing, you know, graphics for a an automotive company that did interior materials. So I, I was doing a lot of technical engineering stuff as well on the, you know, um, in line with the design work. Um, I sourced a laser engraving system. And now, yeah. you know, we, we've just bought a laser engraving system, different animal, but... But we I, have that. We I, have one of those too. We love it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've been able to put all that engineering knowledge to work in, you know, apparel and helping out bands with merch. And it's, you know, it's, it's very in line with what I'm all about, which is music. Um, so, you know, that really spoke to me in volumes. Um, and then at the end of the talk, you did say something about, um, uh, it was the digital nest and I, I'd not heard of what that was. Um, so could you talk a little about, I did look it up and I was, I was really encouraged by what it does, but could you 
talk sure. a bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, so I've done seven of these photo exhibits where I use uh, my focus on portraits to take uh, a, a variety of photos that are related to a nonprofit, and then we put on a big photo exhibit. I sell the photos. I take in that revenue. I donate 100% of it to the nonprofit that the, the photo exhibit's supporting. Uh, and then Microsoft matches all of that money that's donated. Then they also donate $25 an hour for every hour that I volunteer as part of the project. So each project raises ten to $20,000. Awesome. When I think I had done, when I did the, la the TEDx talk, I think I'd done four projects. And the next one was going to be for the Digital Nest. And that's an amazing organization here in Santa Cruz County uh, that's basically providing technology skills and education for uh, students who traditionally don't have access. Uh, and it's an amazing tech, uh, almost like a tech incubator for kids. Mm. Uh, a lot of Latinx children uh, and, and students in the Watsonville area, also in Salinas, California, and they're getting amazing tech skills. And we did a photo exhibit for them, uh, raised a bunch of money, but they, they're providing uh, tech uh, training and um, tr business experience for these kids uh, to, to build out their resumes and get into colleges and, and help them succeed. And so it was just a great project. Digital Nest is a phenomenal organization. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on, let's, let's, let's pick brewing because you, you work a little bit with Humble Sea Brewing. Is that correct? Uh huh. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a beer, you know, craft beer snob. So could you tell me about that partnership or how does that work? Sure. So, uh, Humble Sea Brewing Company is a, a amazing craft brewing, uh, group here in Santa Cruz. Uh, I'm actually, I, I would do a lot of leadership consulting for them as well. So I'm sort of part of that management team. Uh, and we met right around the same time that we were founding uh, Ventana Surfboards and Supplies. And we had this idea to do a collaborative beer together. Mm -hmm. So we did something called Ventana Spruce. Uh, and we did a one night only keg release with a huge party and a band, uh, the Coffus Brothers, who's another local band. Uh, we played for the event and we had a big beer release and we had surfboards that went along with the beer. We did a Ventana Cedar uh, about a year and a half later. And then we just did a Ventana Maple Stout, uh, a pastry stout with them. And we literally built a, a surfboard that matched the beer label. Uh, and so we've just done all kinds of collaboration with Humble Sea. Uh, we did a, a, a beer collab with another beer maker, uh, a wine company called Sarah Winery. Uh, and so we try to do innovative things to market our surfboard company with other really cool local businesses. And the Humble Seas is in a really amazing business that's that's taken off like gangbusters and it's been a great collaboration. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of uh, things that bands, you know, talking back to music, a lot of things that bands can do in collaboration with, you know, small craft, you know, businesses, whether that be beer, whether that be chocolate or a surf, sure. you know, surfboard company. Uh, one of the early bands that i met with uh want to say episode seven they they're up in massachusetts uh the lights out they actually released their album on a beer can cool and and had the download code in the original one and the second release obviously downloads were gone so they had their second release on a beer can in some other way but i think it's an untapped resource having these you know and i, I think the the maker space the creatives that yeah. space works really really well um, so the, uh, going on to branding though, um, I, I love being a designer. I love the way you'd had so much meaning within your logo. 
Um, you've got your tree fish. You've got the moon, which is the eye of the fish. Um, you know the port, and also the yeah, the so the window or the the circle is a porthole. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really clever and it's really well thought out. I mean, how how did you come up with that? Yeah, we worked with a guy back east. Um, I think it's I think he's either in New Hampshire or North Carolina. I'll have to go back and look, but um, it, it basically is it's it's a wooden surfboard which mm. has a redwood tree in it. And we use a lot of redwood here, salvaged redwood uh, or reclaimed redwood because th there's tons of redwood available here. So we like we'll use redwood floorboards from the 1800s, things like that. Sure. But anyway, so that's a redwood. We built my partners built a few boards that actually look just like this from the logo. So that's a redwood tree. That's a moon or a sun. We like to surf at night mm -hmm. uh, and the moon and the sun you know, control the tides. But then if you turn it this way, I turn it. Actually, yeah. let, me get, let me get one of these. If you turn it this way, it's actually a, a fish. fish. Those are the gills and that's the eye. And so we call this the tree fish. Mm -hmm. And a tree fish is actually a fish. It's about this big that lives out here in the Monterey Bay, which is, you can't see it, but it's behind me. So here in Northern California. And then a porthole is a window to the ocean. And ventana means window in Spanish. And then I work for Microsoft and we make windows. So that sort of helped. <laughs> Pushing that in at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, again, going back to entrepreneurship, uh, is, it, is it correct you were a school teacher? I was. I taught school for six years. So I, I always ask this of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, but what, uh, where, where did entrepreneurship as a thing appear in your vocabulary? And then uh, the second part to my question is how do you – how do you, I guess, how do you instill that in to one children that either don't have an affinity to be curious or if they do, how do you teach entrepreneurship as a, as a mindset? Wow. That's a tough question. I don't, I'll have to think about the, 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 the kid part and maybe, maybe as I think out loud, uh, I can come up with a good answer for you. <laughs> but for me personally, um, I grew up in the Silicon Valley. My family moved out here when I was four years old. And my father was one of the first software entrepreneurs in the Silicon Valley. Uh, he started his first software company in 1972 when no one knew what software was. And half mm -hmm. the valley, the Silicon Valley was actually orchards back then. Uh, and so I just grew up with entrepreneurship. And so going, becoming a teacher, I was sort of rebelling against the family business. Uh, and then I sort of wound my way back by teaching kids how to do website development, teaching myself how to do website development, starting a small consulting business to do that, failing at a startup and building up enough expertise to ultimately wind up at Microsoft. Um, I don't know, you know, today, I, I think for kids, they're so much more savvy than we are or we were at least at their age online. And that like my son, for example, is working on a clothing line uh, right now. Um, called Off Street, and they're trying to just build this brand based on what they know about Instagram and and social media. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, with kids today, find something you're passionate about. Think about how it might be a unique story or unique approach that no one else is doing, which is super hard. And then just launch something small, you know, using social media and try to grow it from there. Um, in terms of like how to get entrepreneurship, the vocabulary into kids, I, you know, I really do think, you know, we used to have all these, these sort of ancillary and extra programs in school, um, business programs. I can't, do you remember, I actually, you're from England, so you right, may not, right. 
and I can't remember the ones that we used to have, but you know, there were, there were these business things where we used to have to, as part of our social studies programs, we used to have to create a product and try to market it to the school. Mm-hmm. And that gave a lot of people, I remember the sort of bug for starting something on their own. And I'm hoping that some of that stuff still exists, but th- those kind of programs in school, I think are really important. And I, I'd love to see us invest more in that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my, uh, my 14 year old has done a couple of those projects. My sixth, my, sorry, 18 year old definitely did when he was in high school. So they're, they're still around, but again, can't, can't talk intelligently across the entire States. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. Could, could we talk a little bit more about the music, the, the, maybe the bands that you've had at your openings, like uh, you, you put on a, an event. Is it like once a year or is it just as and when you? Yeah, as and when. So sometimes um, we'll put on our own craft fairs where we'll bring in eco-friendly artisans from around California. We've done board swaps where people bring used surfboards and we'll have other vendors come to those. Uh, and we almost always have bands or music or DJs. Uh, the Coffee uh, Brothers played, like I mentioned, in the uh, one of our big beer launches. Um, we had the Carolyn Sills combo, who I think we're going to play some music here at the end of this podcast from Carolyn. She's also the general manager of the Santa Cruz Guitar Company, just a phenomenal uh, kind of a Western swing type band. Mm. Uh, she's played. She played one of our other beer release events. Uh, and so we always try to incorporate music into what we're doing, um, live music. And, and in part, we do that because we've leveraged so much, you know, music related wood in our products. And so we have this, this affinity uh, to, to combining music with, with beer, with, with surfing and, and those things all really go together well. Um, yeah. So I like to uh, ask some uh, non quick fire questions <laughs> in my interviews. Um, so the first one is what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? Hmm. Got it. Do we have like six or seven hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've got I'll, as I'll long as you want. One. Well, no. So I, I know some of what you talk about is mental health and, and things like that. So I have something called cyclothymia, um, which is a form of bi- bipolar disorder. Okay. Uh, and so it took me years and years to, to realize it and to get uh, help and to get medication. Uh, and you know, I know medication isn't always for everyone. For me, it's, it worked very, very quickly and, and clearly. Uh, and so that's been, been really important, Mm -hmm. but overcoming those, those mood swings, the depression, which I still get sometimes, uh, has been, and I don't, I don't talk about it a lot. Um, in fact, I think this is the first podcast where I've talked about it. So that's, um, that's cool. Cause I, I, I do generally speaking in sort of a traditional measure of success. I think people look at me and say, wow, David's pretty successful, but it's also, you know, um, I think I have a lot of empathy for people who struggle with with depression and other mental illness because I've struggled with it as well. And I think it's important to be super transparent about that. So people realize that, that you know, help is possible uh, and, you know, you can still lead a, a, pr- a pretty successful, normal life, um, especially once you get that help. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I've overcome. And I'm still, you know, every day I talk to my wife and she'll say I'm still overcoming it every day because those mood swings can be hard sometimes, even with medication. Right. For sure. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that because, yeah, that's one of the things I want to uh, help people with is is reducing stigma. Uh, stigma. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, throughout throughout my podcast, you know, talking about my own struggles with depression, um, I think the more you talk about something, it really gets easier to deal with because you don't. It, it's for me coming from England. There's a social aspect of, um, and I'm sure there is in America, but obviously I didn't grow up here, but. 
um, you know, the stiff upper lip, you shouldn't talk about your feelings, that kind of thing. And once you start opening up, um, that stigma just disappears. Um, and it's so yeah, much easier. I, I agree. So I, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm guilty of this too, because on social media and whatnot, you know, I'm pretty heavy, heavy user uh, as a per- personally and through the business, you know, we're always putting our best foot forward. And so everybody kind of looks at everyone else, you know, what they're publicly posting and thinks, thinks that everything's rosy and happy and they live these amazing lives. And a lot of us just kind of hide the fact that we're, you know, it's not really like that all the time. And so, you know, I'm always super upfront and honest at work and with other friends that I, you know, I have cyclothymia and I think it's Mm -hmm. good to get it out there to reduce that stigma, like you said. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, So flipping on, you know, that question around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey, whether that be entrepreneurship, whether that be surfing, whether that be, you know, Microsoft, however you want to answer the question. Um, I, it's probably family. Um, my wife is, we've just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. She's amazing. She's a, she, thank you. She's a calming influence. She's uh, really even keeled. And so I think um, having her support through, you know, the highs and the lows have been incredibly important for me to mm. um, be successful and to keep going. She's amazing. Uh, and then my parents as well, just incredible role models. Uh, my dad was a successful entrepreneur and retired early and it doesn't, then both my parents do a lot of work to give back their docents guides at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And uh, they do a lot of uh, volunteer work and, and helping with uh, conservation efforts. And, and so just being around them and my wife and my, my parents uh, has just been an inspiration. It's, that's helped me see a path forward. That's, um, positive and, and, and uplifting and helpful for, for the world. Awesome. My last question is normally what does music mean to you? But I'm just trying to think of what, what I could ask you that would have the same gravity based on what you've experienced or what your interests are. It's always difficult because it's a music podcast. Well, I mean, uh, music for me, I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's always there. I mean, I just, I lived in Latin America and in and, and Costa Rica and in Spain, and I got really into Latin rock and, mm. and, uh, love that. And, you know, grew up with punk rock and gotten into a lot of sort of folk rock type music. And I'm just, you know, even pop, you know, really eclectic musical taste. Um, my Spotify lists are sort of I, like, like a lot of people I hope are all over the place, you know, punk, metal, pop. Latin rock, folk, uh, and there's just, you know, I've got my my Amazon Echo in my little 80 square foot box here, which is where I work every day in my backyard and music is always on. And, you know, it just, you, you know, I mean, every single song brings you back to some other time in your life that brings back an amazing memory. And so it's just, you know, it's always the soundtrack that's always, always there for me. So Absolutely. it's, to me, it's, you know, life is just nowhere near as rich unless you have music playing in the background. For sure. So if you think back to when you first, you know, when you were a kid, was there a, a, a pivotal moment when you discovered music that you can remember or? You know, I my parents used to listen to like, you know, uh, Gordon Lightfoot and Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond and Paul Simon. And so I remember listening to those records and you know, putting the needle on the turntable and watching it spin and listen to those kinds of those, th- that kind of music. But I got into punk rock in high school just to be the rebel <laughs> uh, and, you know, going and slam dancing in, in a mosh pit at a concert and just getting out that teen angst and teen energy was, was always fun. What was your first? Uh, and 
Sorry. What, what? My, my first concert, was that what you going to ask yeah. me? Yeah. My first concert was X. X. Uh, X, an L.A. band, kind of a punk rock band. Lead singer's John Doe uh, with Exine Cervenka. Sounds is, familiar, yeah. I think she's on guitar. X, is, X was one. Uh, you know, I used to go to shows like that, Social Distortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other, you know, Oingo Boingo and kind of fun pop stuff, English beat, bands like that. Okay. Uh, Scott, ska music and things. So yeah, music's always there. And then I've been taking voice. It's on hold right now because of COVID. I'm looking over there because my music teacher lives around the corner. But I've always wanted to be a rock star, <laughs> and I really have. I really have zero talent, um, but I am taking voice lessons. So I've been trying to 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 sing a little bit. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. It hasn't been great so far. Hey, it's I. You know, mu- musical. You know it. I, the the word talent I think is is a misnomer in in terms of people, you know, apply it to oh it's this thing that's already in you and to to an extent there is there is something to be said for in you know inherent quote unquote talent but uh, for most of it I think it's a, it's a, a a skill that you learn so keep pushing yeah it. I'll, a, I'll keep going yeah, yeah it's, it's a fun way to take a break during the day and belt out a few notes absolutely so. All right, cool. Um, uh, towards the end, I like to play a piece of music. Um, uh, what song did you want to play? I think we chose. Uh, we chose a song by Carolyn Sills Combo, and there's there was a song, and I don't have the name on the tip of my tongue, but there's a song that uh that's got kind of a a beach guitar sort of a surf twang in it that I thought was appropriate given. Uh, given the surfing Absolutely. focus of of Ventana. Uh. uh Bad for you. Bad for you. Yeah. yeah. So let's play. And then hopefully you'll have Carolyn on the show at some point because she is phenomenally talented and has years and years of experience as the general manager at Santa Cruz Guitar Company, who's one of our upcycle partners, and they make some of the most amazing acoustic guitars in the world. So it's kind of a neat musical tie-in. Yeah, we definitely have to uh, get her on the show. Um, so cool. if, if people uh, want to reach out to you, say hi, find out more about your surfboards and anything else, where can they find you? ventanasurfboards.com so ventana spelled like that uh, uh ventana surfboards on instagram and then i'm david at ventanasurfboards.com and uh they happy to get an email and uh, talk about ventana or microsoft david den d-a-v-i-d-d-e-n at microsoft.com awesome well i really appreciate you uh taking the time um you know much continued success with the surfboard and everything else going on um yeah i look forward to keeping up with your uh um, you know, your, your social media accounts and, and seeing what other, I really like the surfboards that they look, and I'm not a surfer, but just, just the artisanal part of it and the woodworking that really speaks to me. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking and, uh, well, and once, once this, once this pandemic is over, you can come out to California and I'll teach you to surf. I, like I said, I didn't start till I was 40 and so it's never too late. Absolutely. So, and if you want guitar lessons, I'm here. <laughs> hey, so. Sounds good. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, then I'd be extremely grateful if you would. I have added a page on musiconyourownterms.com to allow you to do just that. On that page, I have added some eBay affiliate links to equipment I use on the podcast. If you buy anything from eBay with these links, then I earn a commission which really helps me continue to provide this great content to you, the listener. Stay up to date with the podcast and find out who I'll be interviewing in upcoming episodes before they air by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. On the site, you'll also find show notes for every episode, 
some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. From the Carolyn Sells combo, who I hope to have in an upcoming episode, this is Bad For You. Bad.